You're listening to The Gold Derby Show on The Gold Derby Podcast Network. Welcome back to Gold Derby. I'm Chris Rosen. I'm joined by Joyce Inc. Joyce, I said this right before we started recording. I have a great way to open this, and it is it. It's a great, a great setup to give away your joke. <laughs> Hooray for Fuckywood. Holly Weird. <laughs> uh, we're back, Joyce, talking about the Emmys in the midst of a writer's strike. Amazing. Um, you know, this strike just makes me miss the 2007 strike. Um, because that gave us so much uh, amazing Conan content when he came back on the air with his really hot striked beard and just spun his wedding ring on his desk. Um, that gave us the birth of Jordan Schlansky mm-hmm. and, um, you know, he had, he had the, his feud with Stephen Colbert and Jon Stewart. So just good times back then. I miss it. I don't, I don't think we'll have that this time. No, all the late night shows have gone dark. Uh, I mean, they could eventually come back, but obviously Conan is off the air, so it won't be the same, even if they do come back. I wonder if they will come back, because a lot of these shows also just go off on the summer. I was thinking- Yeah, like Jimmy Kimmel, ever since, um, you know, the birth of his son um, and uh, his son's health issues, who his son is obviously doing better now, but he's taken the summer off, like just full on summer vacation, and he's had guest- posts so right and a lot and like colbert takes a lot of time off so i mean it'll be interesting to see when this gordon is gone so (laughs) gordon finished right in time i i get the sense this is going to be uh going on for quite some time um yeah well the last one was 100 days and then you know there could be more strikes because sag and dga also have their negotiations coming up so correct uh, so maybe it'll end sooner if everybody strikes at the same time, I'd imagine. That'll be uh, impetus for the studios to probably want to get back to work. Uh, but we'll see. We're not, re- I, I gotta say, I'm not, I'm not a, not a labor expert choice, as you might expect. Oh, really? Yeah. It's a, sorry. Sorry to disappoint you, but uh, not, not, not a great uh, labor expert here. But I am not really an expert on anything, but I, I am happy to talk about uh, some things that happened in the last week, Joyce, about the Emmys. Including, as we were recording, we joked about this last week on Wednesday, uh, that Sarah Snook would probably announce uh, via uh, Variety or some other uh, trade uh, outlet that she was going lead. And then, lo and behold, that evening, multiple trade outlets. It was like seven hours later. Reported yeah. uh, through sources and on background and shared breaks or whatever you want to call it. a shared break on background. One of my favorite things as a reporter. Yeah. Uh, that she's going lead, which we have talked about and expected, it seems. Still no confirmation, but like confirmation. It is. Like it's happening. And the deadline for submissions is uh May 9th. Yes. So next week. Today's Wednesday. So uh and we had talked about this. We didn't really touch that drama actress category, but once I was able to, shot her right to the top because I just love her this season. She's an absolute goat. And uh nothing has uh, disabused that notion that she would win. So I put her right at the top. Um, yeah, where is she overall? Like, how many people have enough people updated that she? I know she's in the top six. She's in the fifth place overall. Okay, so she just uh, bumped out Helen Mirren as we expected. She did. Uh, I have uh, the top six actually. I have gone to the top six. I have Sarah in first. I have Bella Ramsey in in second. Melanie Linsky in third. Imelda Staunton, who's second in our odds, in fourth. Emma Darcy in fifth, and I have Elizabeth Moss in sixth. Interesting. Um, I have Sarah, Melanie, Bella, Imelda, 
Juliet Lewis and your fave Betty Gilpin. I took Betty Gilpin out mostly on recency bias because I was at an event uh, last night. Like anti-recency bias. <laughs> an anti-recency bias. I was at an event last night and I was talking to somebody who is like in the industry and they were like, I don't have time to watch new stuff. And I was like, that's a problem, I think, for my beloved Betty Gilpin, even though she's a two-time nominee already. She's and a three-time nominee. Three-time nominee, sorry. And uh, is great on the show and is the whole show. And they're promoting the hell out of her on the show. I was just like, I'm not sure Peacock is going to break through. And I was just like, is this going to break through all the noise? And I was just like, maybe Elizabeth Moss will come back for Handmaid's Tale or Emma Darcy for House of Dragon, which was very popular and has the the benefit of having been done for a long time. Yeah, um, but I just, again, with House of the Dragon, I just feel like it's lacking passion. Um, so, but it's lucky in like, you know, drama series where it's just like, what's going to be in the eighth spot. But I don't really think any of the actors are particularly strong. And then here in this category, yeah, I could see Lizzie coming back. Um, I just put Betty in there. Well, as you know, I had triple yellow jackets. Sure. I also had Sharon Horgan, um, Bad Sisters. And I just got rid of them both for Sarah. And then I was like, you know what? I'll just put Betty in there for now. I mean, I love sure. it. She's amazing. She has, I mean, there is a very fierce Betty Gilpin hive in yes. the acting branch. So I, I definitely could see that happening. And she is unbelievable on the show. But I'm just like, it's no knock on on the on the show or her. I just was like, I don't trust that people are going to give it the time. But maybe it doesn't matter and she'll get in. No, and it's like, you know, we known this to be true basically like no one has time to watch all this stuff right so and it's still weird that so many things are still unfurling at this time like within the last weeks of the cycle <laughs> yes including you were saying uh white house plumbers pre- premiered this week on monday yeah. yes bupkis is out uh tomorrow i believe or is it today and the reviews are today on wednesday it's i think the it's out fourth the tomorrow yeah. right uh, yeah the fourth Mm-hmm. so you we both then think sarah would win here i yeah i put her in first um i yeah like i said this in our comp like if you asked me three months ago i would say she probably would not win in either category right but um given the material she's had this season and not even counting the tremendous buzz and hype that succession has like it's just hard not to call her the front runner even if you're not completely sold on her winning right i think that's so she might not win sure but i think it's hard to argue against her being the front runner right now on may 3rd right and i actually think she has a better chance to win here like we had said than she does in supporting yeah well not only because jennifer coolidge is not here but she does have the the weighty material you know from connor's wedding and i do mm-hmm. think that's something that episode and her performance in that episode is something that will be top of mind or like instant recall when you're thinking about her on the season of the show, regardless of whatever happens in the last four episodes. Which we can only imagine how good it's going to be based on how great the first six have been. Tom and Shiv, power couple again. Boy, I loved it so much. I I love, this was one of my favorite, I actually think this was my favorite episode of the season, the last one that aired. I like that every week. No, but I think I actually liked it. I was thinking about if I was ranking them. They're all good this season. I don't think there's been like a clunker in the in the bunch. But I would say like a lot of people would definitely default to the third episode, Connor's wedding, because of Logan dying and everything. And that was good. But this was just like 
I found this like peak what I enjoy about succession. I, I love when they do an event. It this is yeah. like um retired uh janitors of Idaho from last exactly season. Right. Imaginary Dead Cat. So I love when they just it's centered on an event. It's not a bottle episode. People no. don't know what a bottle episode is. No. It's not a bottle episode. It's just around this one event. Yeah. Um but yeah, and it was just tremendous stuff for all three sibs. That's why I actually really loved it because I felt like everyone was given such great stuff. It was definitely like a Kendall top episode, right? Because like Kendall wins at the end. But a even rare, watching it, a rare W for Kendall, which I love because I do love my boy Ken. Uh, but I was like watching it again. I was like, oh, it's funny, like because we have Sa- I have Sarah winning and I have Kieran still winning in drama actor. And I was like, even in this episode, that's ostensibly like a a Kendall victory lap and definitely like a Kendall centric episode in theory. Uh, Kieran was just at, at out of Adam this world in his moments in this, in this episode, like still like, just like peak, like dominant. No, because all of them had things that um, revealed more about each character and advanced them as well. And their arc and not only their development, you know, like obviously Shiv and Tom, they're sort of reconciled. Do you, do you play Bitey with your wife? No. No. I, know. I love that you watch the after show thing because she, yeah. Sarah was like, I thought Jesse wrote that, but no, it's from Lucy and she used to play that with um, her brother, one of the writers. And um, also a funny thing in that where she was, uh, she, Sarah Snook was like, yeah, it didn't really hurt. And then, and then Matthew was, like, was yeah. like, it really hurt. <laughs> but, and then like their conversation when, when he was, like you know come live in a trailer park with me when he's like yeah you know i i just wanted logan's lightest touch that's why i betrayed you like that was the most honest conversation the two of them have ever had mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just kind of like flipped the switch in her you know and now they're sort of like back on track and they're gonna host the party next week Can't wait. Um, yeah and then roman just completely you know um he's not doing well and mm-hmm you know, he pre-grieved, has not properly grieved, and it's manifesting in him just going on a firing spree. So <laughs> and the two, like... the two scenes, those two scenes are amazing. Him firing uh, Joy, gonna kill, crush Joy, kill Joy. He didn't uh, fire, he just said, you're fired to her. <laughs> and then uh, his sequence with uh, Jerry and, and Jay, uh, Jay Smith Cameron, who I was like, oh, this is really good. That was just that was so a great good. scene for Jay. Yeah. And then uh, the last scene, I was just like, this is like, that was an unbelievable moment when uh, Kendall sent him the uh, the deep fake, the deep fake of, of Logan being like, he has a micro penis and is always wrong, always making the wrong, always makes the wrong. Yeah, because that just, we've talked about this before back in the the premiere and how Rome, like one of Roman's traits is that he like just wants the family or the siblings to be together and work together. And, but like none of them have that, the proper model of how to, do basic human interaction you know mm-hmm. and then or just you know basic like love like being loving towards each other and showing emotion and and then he also can't um be strong in his convictions like it's very he's sort of like a pushover it's very easy to talk him out of something like them talking about the hundred going after peers and the same thing here the, the shiv talked him out of doing the presentation with kendall because she's like he's gonna bomb as usual and then he doesn't. So then Roman misses out on the W. So like, I love the scene of like Kendall walking in after a presentation 
and Roman's just like lurking in the background because he's just fuming because like he made the wrong choice again. again. <laughs> and he he missed out on the the rare win <laughs> with For Kendall. Kendall. <laughs> uh, he had that gleam in his eye. It was great. It's just so good. Uh, I just love it. I love it so so much. And uh, Joy, we can use here. Joyce, uh, they they have the finale title, series finale title was uh, yes. revealed this week. It seems. So I had a hard time figuring out where it came from. I think it's from the HBO app, maybe right or something. Yeah, well, the listings are out. The listings are out. Yeah, for the, the rest the, of the season. The finale title was, drumroll, with open eyes. Which we discussed. Now, you might remember, if you're a loyal viewer, that back in whenever, uh, earlier this season, we discussed uh, the possibility, the possible titles because of the, the, the poem that it's based on, Joyce, right? The... It takes all its season finale titles from Dream Song, Dream Song 29 by John right. Berryman. Right. And so when we were doing this, I'm pulling up the poem again. Uh, so, so far we've had, this is not for tears, all the bells say, and uh, first season was... Nobody is ever missing. That's right. And so we were going through it, and you were hoping for hacks, hacks Her Body Up, which would have been great. Which would be sick. And I think I had suggested maybe the line right after, hide the pieces where they may be found. And then I was like, what would it actually be? Or what do you think? And you said, literally, with open eyes, he attends blind. You call that out right away. And I was like, that does sound like a good one. And lo and behold, Jesse Armstrong, maybe a loyal listener on this down low, uh, pulled that for his title. So I'm, I'm into that. What do that. I get for this? Just pride? Just pride and props. Yeah. I will say <laughs> it's funny that three of the four finales are all from that one little cluster in the second stand. Right. And nobody's ever missing from the last one. And nothing from the first stanza. We talk about that. There's been we had suggested the, the little cough somewhere would have been a good, a good title as well. That was from the first stanza. Yeah. So the I other feel, thing I, I noticed. No, no love for the first stanza. No. Maybe that maybe that means something. Uh, the other thing I noticed was that all of these episodes then after are uh, Stranger Things length. They went to Stranger Things season four. So this finale is an hour and a half. Um. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I mean, I love it. I'm fine with it. But I know, you know, with like Ted Lasso, a lot of people are mad that these episodes are an hour. You know, Succession well, is going well Ted over Lasso an hour. Is, is a, a sitcom that mm -hmm. was 30 minutes. Sure. And the difference is, is that it's, it's uh, increased length is not always justified. Well, we'll see. If it's I, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even say it's like even half justified. Whereas with Succession it's always been an hour long show and it uses up its time well. And again, a 90, 90 minutes finale, fine. That's like, it's not like all their episodes have been 90 minutes. Like no. I can live with a 90 minute finale, just like, you know, some shows have had two hour finales. Like I can live with that. And um, it, yeah. it does seem like a lot of them have, a lot of the later episodes here are going to be well over an hour. It seems, I think it was an hour and 16 one. And maybe an hour and like nine minute one or whatever I think I saw. I'm yeah. all for it. I love it. That's I love fine. I love the show, so I'm in. But I'm like that with Ted Lasso. This is, this is like one of the shows where I don't check to see how much time is remaining in the episodes. I, Whereas I probably, I've done that with probably like 92% of shows I watch. <laughs> like how much time is left in this show? I uh, I put my phone down. I don't even look at it. I try not to. I think that's one of the problems that we talked about last week. Like, are people actually paying attention to the show? Like, people are too easily distracted. 
I get the sense they are in a lot of times, again, based on a lot of the coverage we see about it. Like, it just seems like people are missing some key, key aspects. Yeah, so like this week, um, especially after, you know, Tom and Shiv had sex, I saw a lot of comments about like, how could Tom not realize that she is pregnant at sex and he saw her naked? And then it's just like, okay, remember that this is just like another day. Well, actually, it's two days, this episode, really. Um, but this season is taking place over just probably like two weeks total. Right. And when every episode is just one day. So she just found out she was pregnant in, or she didn't find out she was pregnant, um, but she got the results and we found out she was pregnant in episode four, but not that much time has elapsed. No. And it's it, like, this is just a couple days later. And she also in that episode, um, that her doctor said like let's schedule your 20 week scan that doesn't mean she's at 20 weeks she's not at 20 weeks so she's she just got like an amnio when she's way earlier in her first trimester you know Mm -hmm. so that doesn't mean like she's showing and also first pregnancies you don't show right away because it's your first pregnancy right it's true yeah uh so that's succession. I mean, I feel like we could keep talking about this, but we do want to move to other stuff. We'll bring, we'll come back to succession because I have a lot of listener emails, Joyce, that we could read that kind of tie in to succession. I guess the other stuff this week, like we said, were uh, some light premieres. So you were saying you watched the other two. I did. Um, I is they sent seven episodes. Yeah, so right seven. So I watched them. Um, very funny. Just just completely coming for the industry again. And, um, and I feel like one of the jokes in the premiere was made for me because Carrie's movie Night Nurse is finally coming out after, you know, COVID. And one of the pull quotes for the movie is under 90 minutes. Awesome. Like, yes, me, I will watch. Um, and then, uh, yeah, there's, there's some good, uh, love Victor jokes and method, method acting jokes. Love that in there um it's not gonna get any emmy love sadly it it hasn't so i don't think that's gonna change unfortunately but very funny just a, a fun watch this weekend if you're looking for something to watch uh and i'll stump here for for bupkis which i absolutely love okay. all the episodes are going to be on peacock uh streaming so even though pete davidson's snl dreams have been dashed because of the writer strike you can still watch pete davidson on peacock uh this weekend Boy, it just is great. I thought it was so funny. Uh, people, I get the sense, uh, my, my, I haven't looked at the, the reviews have, have broken, it seems. I get the sense that a lot of critics were not impressed. At least from people I've spoken to. I'm I haven't watched on, it yet, so I have no I'm, I'm definitely on an island, it seems, uh, of people who liked it based on just brief conversations I've had or or, or seen uh, with others. Um, but the show's great. Don't listen to those people. It's very funny. Um, how are Edie Falco and Joe Pesci? So Edie Falco is uh, not in as much as you would think, but she's good. It, you know what the funny thing is? I read an interview with her that she did with Vanity Fair and she was like, oh, kind of like, you, you kind of got the sense that she was just like a, a little like, what am I doing here? Why am I on the show? But I wanted to try something and be different and be funny. And it definitely feels like that in the performance, but it actually helps with the performance because she is like supposed to be like kind of looking at Pete. But she, like, what she's the his hell? mom. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the opening scene is just graphic. Truly, one of the most graphic things I've seen. Uh, 
not even going to spoil it. You can just watch it. it. It's good. And I was just like, I can't believe she agreed to do this. And then like, it goes from there. She has a very funny, a couple of funny scenes later on. Like, uh, and she definitely grounds it in a, an emotional aspect. Cause a lot of her stuff with Pete is more, there's comedy, but it is more serious. And then Joe Pesci is absolutely freaking amazing. He is so good. It remind. I was thinking if I was going to guess, it feels like a legacy quill to Easy Money with Rodney Dangerfield and Joe Pesci, which takes place on Staten Island and is all about Rodney Dangerfield being an absolute fucking deadbeat who has to like stop being a deadbeat to help like get his mother-in-law's inheritance. That's the plot. Very loose plot. It's like a Happy Madison movie. Uh, and it's bad. I recently rewatched it. I have not seen it since I was a kid. And I was like, hmm, this doesn't really hold up. There's some funny Rodney stuff, but man, as a movie, it's kind of like a mess. And that's basically Joe Pesci here playing that same character as he is there, but just now as an 80 year old man. Uh, and he's great. And he's so funny. And he's just classic Joe Pesci. Uh, um, did you watch Pete on, or the clip of Pete on Fallon last week when he was talking about casting Joe? No, it but I like heard him talk about Lauren Michaels. There. Lauren Michaels just suggested him, and Pete was like, "Oh yeah, that, that he'll be easy to get." You know, it's not like you know he he's been retired for twenty years except for the Irishman. And Lauren said like, "Oh, like when it's or something like when when it's the right part, like they'll like he'll do it or something like that." <laughs> like I, like it's, it'll be so easy to get Joe Pesci. <laughs> I mean, like it's funny, like watching it, you're like, "Oh, I could see why he wanted to do it because it is literally like." comedy joe pesci like you know what i mean like it's just it's like he's hitting pun like he's just very funny it's like definitely different from the irishman and like a lot of the drama stuff that he's obviously done um, it's um the like show also has like 10 million celebrity cameos so who was your favorite so two faves uh bobby cannavale plays pete davidson's uncle i believe maybe or uh cousin i'm not sure of the relationship i think uncle and uh he's amazing he's in like two episodes very funny. I'm just a big Bobby Cannavale fan in general. And again, I like it when he's like doing funny. He's very funny. And I love John Mulaney. He plays himself in the finale. And especially if you watch John Mulaney's special, Baby J, it is a great, uh, it is a great like companion piece to that because a lot of the story, like one of the stories that John Mulaney tells in Baby J is kind of like you hear it from Pete Davidson's perspective in, in the show, in the, in the final episode. Uh, and they also are spoofing heat while they're doing it. And it's very good. I don't think any of these, like the problem with the show is that I'm like, hey, again, it's on Peacock and who knows if people are going to watch it. But I was like, man, if Joe Pesci got an Oscar, uh, an Emmy nomination, it'd be pretty great. But I, I don't imagine that that would happen, especially when you have Harrison Ford already there as like an, a grizzled uh, veteran kind of like coming back here doing comedies. I don't know. Um, Yeah, it's probably premiering too late i don't know it's it's really hard to say how peacock will do <laughs> and year. again like not to like put too much of a fine point on it or like kind of dismiss any like i was just like i think having this show specifically and particularly would be hurt by a writer's strike because like p david well, and didn't promote it yesterday because yesterday was the mm -hmm. the peacock new front so she's not gonna she pulled out right yeah in solidarity and then Pete is now not hosting SNL. And like, it's just, it's obviously like, he's so much a, like. Yeah, and he's a writer. He's a writer on it. It's <laughs> just, just like, it definitely feels like a show that will, because of when it premiered and because of what is happening with the strike, will not get as much 
attention as it might have otherwise. Not that I, I think even if it was, I, I don't think the strike would have, like, I still don't think it would get nominated for anything, but I'm like, I think that just is another. Well, uh, yeah. Cause hurdle. so I, I have um, friends, colleagues in the writer's guild and um, I know like they've been advised by their strike captains or just the guild in general, like not to promote their shows on social media during the strike. Correct. Boots Riley, I saw, did that. He said he was like, he's got an Amazon show uh, coming. Yeah, out. he's just, he's like, once, if it starts, I'm not doing anything, so. Hope you watch it, basically. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think we're going to get a lot of that. And then when you have like, so with regard to like the Pete Davidson show, just like not the best timing then for it. But it's very funny. No. And I think if people watch, I was trying to think of what it's like. I mean, it's a little like King of Staten Island, obviously, because it's like in that same vein. And he's like playing himself, obviously. Uh, definitely like Louie or Seinfeld or Curb Your Enthusiasm probably more like Herb and Louie than Seinfeld. And then also like Atlanta, because there's just like weird, like weird standalone, like things that they do. There's an episode where he has to go to Florida and it turns and he meets uh, Simon Rex, not playing, not playing the guy from Red Rocket, but not, not playing the guy from Red Rocket. Uh, and it's hilarious. And then it also turns into a Fast and the Furious movie. Uh, you told me about this, uh, which was great because in an upcoming episode of Barry, I think it's the sixth one or maybe seven. No, I think six. Um, they they mentioned Fast and the Furious and so, there's like there's a whole bit about Fast and the Furious six, which is also the last one I saw in the theater <laughs> I, or, or the last Fast and Furious movie I've seen because I have not seen one since. <laughs> you better catch up because the new one's coming out. Um, that's OK. I don't need to. I've uh, only seen did- one, two um did not see Tokyo Drift or four and I only saw five because I was going to see six interesting I don't think I've seen uh Tokyo Drift either but I've seen all of them otherwise and I don't really care for the franchise at all but I've seen them all and I will see the new one uh yeah no like if if you were like let's go see Fast 10 I'll be like okay fine and I'll go see it but I'm not it's like another you know Daniel Craig Bond for me it's like I'm not dying to see this right so don't tell vin diesel he'd be pretty upset to hear you say this i think i, I mean i've seen what four of them that's fine i mean Family. it's not it's less than half they're up to 10 i mean that's fine like i've seen it so i mean i think the first one is what matters right like that's what started at all i mean so. the first one and the fifth one i think are, are the key in the in the franchise and the fifth one seemingly ties into the tenth one because jason momoa plays the son of uh joaquin Almeida. Uh, who is the I don't guy. even remember the fifth one. I remember the sixth one. The fifth one, they have this um, safe in the street. Okay. I like the sixth one because of the tank. <laughs> I don't remember the sixth one, but obviously the seventh one is the Paul Walker uh, one. Well, yeah, I didn't see that. Yeah, that was great. He, well, see you again. So I, I saw six on my birthday 10 years ago. I guess I've um, seen and six. Then, and then he died almost six months later. <laughs> right. Uh, I've seen six and seven and eight. Eight was pretty rough. I saw that at Tribeca. I think it opened Tribeca maybe that year. And then nine was out of the pandemic. And I remember going in to see it and they go to space. And I just remember being like, what the? Love it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so the, the, that that's kind of like the tone of Buffkiss. It'll just be like a lot of fantastical stuff uh, mixed with like industry stuff, mix, mixed with like Pete Davidson doing true life stuff that isn't maybe or that is like filtered. I, like I said, I do think it's like a good companion to the to to uh, Baby J. And then also all the episodes are pretty short. Uh, so that's another positive for it. Yeah, no hour-long episodes. No. It's yeah, not all of other two episodes are short too. So. so a great time for comedy. And I guess if you haven't watched these shows, you'll have plenty of time to catch up because if the strike goes on for about six months, uh, they're just going to run out of stuff to put on. So 
there'll be a lot of international imports. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of, uh, yeah, I think so. I think Netflix will definitely pivot to that, it seems. Yeah, if you believe the, the rumors on Netflix is like the main holdout of the proposed uh, new deal by- I saw those, those rumors. And like I said, I'm not- I think expert. it's all of them. I didn't believe but, that. I felt like that was like, just like- uh, Well, I think it makes, I mean, it makes sense because Netflix is, you know, the biggest beast. Yeah. There. But I think it's all of them. <laughs> I, I agree. I just felt like it was like opposition research from like another studio to be like, yeah, blame Netflix. We we hate them anyway. Kind well, of. Well, yeah, it's like it's like it's lowest hanging fruit. It's like it's all it's like the most obvious one. Yeah, I I didn't believe that. Uh, but like I said, not a labor expert. Uh, Joyce, we could do some emails. I have so many since we we last spoke, and they're gonna allow us to talk about a variety of different things. Incredible. I'll start with this one from Sam, who's a new new emailer. It seems. Uh, you can email us at slugfestatgoldderby.com, by the way. Sam writes, I listen to you guys every week, but I've never sent in a question. Since you've been complaining, you always get the same people. I thought I'd send one in finally. Thanks, Sam. I appreciate that. That's great. Uh, first, I got to say, it makes me so sad to hear Joyce and her friend not liking the season of Ted Lasso so much. It is my favorite season. and I think the funniest by far from a pure joke perspective. Uh, my question is, do you think Phil Dunster has any shot of being the final Ted Lasso main cast member to get a nomination, given that given that Jamie has a lot to do this season and so many of his scenes are with Brett? Thank you so much, Sam. Um, I have not watched today's episode yet. Have you? No, I haven't actually. I'm, I, I will watch um, it. I've talked to people who've watched it. Um, uh, consensus is a not great Bob dot gif. Um, yeah, but all the people you're talking to don't like it already. So I'm like going to take that with a No, that's not true. Call. That's not true. Okay. I mean, we could talk offline about the people, the ID. Let's talk offline. I want to know. That's, that's not true. Okay. Because okay. They, they, a lot of them like love the first season or the first two seasons. Okay. Too, but, um, okay. anyway, um, uh, I, it was funny because a couple of weeks ago I was talking to someone about how Phil, um, could be the Courtney Cox of the show <laughs> and just be yeah. alone, not get in. Um, I, don't know. I have thought about replacing Nick Muhammad with him because I know like he, he has had good material this season um, and people do love him. Yes. Um, and uh, he's a, uh, he started his press tour this week. A lot of interviews this week, including one with our, our own website, goldderby.com. Yeah. You can watch him. So he just ended a whole press day on zoom. Um, but then um, I feel like if the reception to the show was overall stronger, because I think like not even like my own friends and like other colleagues in the industry, but I feel like the just viewers in general, it's kind of split. And like some of them are also not enjoying it as much as they did the first two. Um, so, I mean, you know, again, it could be completely different in the Academy and they could just still be enamored with it. But if, it's not if they're also kind of down on it then that could hurt him so i feel like it depends on how strong this show still is with so, them uh the the insider i was speaking to last night suggested that they uh love ted lasso still and it seemed like that like oh and and as someone who seemingly is like talking to people in the industry we're still hot on ted lasso so i think there is still a lot of affection for it in the industry um last year this time I talked to uh, someone in the industry 
um, someone pretty well known, I would say. And they were <laughs> complaining about the length of Ted Lasso's episodes, which were not even as long as this year's episodes. Last year, they were just going into like 40 minutes. Right. But they were saying like, you know, when they get home from work, they just want like something quick to watch. Sure. And then see like that's long. Good. So. But I I understand that. And the problem I have with I mean, like that was last season. This season, it's like they have hour long. Right. I, the problem I have with Phil, I feel like it's just, I don't know who I would drop. That's the other thing. I mean, like you said, Nick Muhammad, but I feel like the way they've had that him. storyline with him is kind of, they're trying to do a redemption thing with him. And I don't think it's been earned. Well, I would argue that maybe the, I don't think the redemption has been not earned because I actually think Nick Muhammad is a performer, and the reason why people really like Nate in the beginning, I think, is because he's like such a he's like very. No, this is, has nothing to do with him specifically. I know. I'm just saying, like the character, it felt like the redemption is earned because the the turn was him as a cat, like Nate pretending to be something he wasn't, and like the real Nate is kind of showing through here in this season and like in the earlier seasons. I just don't, but like storyline wise, like again, I have not watched today's. Um, I haven't either so but I just feel like there should be more stuff happening between him and Ted and it just like they're just still off in their own orbits and they're just trying to you know give him this redemption arc and it's not that the redemption arc is surprising like you know I fully expected him to come back yeah but it's it's just like it it could be written better and it's it's just weird because these episodes are so long, they're so shaggy, and if they're just like not using the time well. I I guess I would say like I don't totally agree with that, but I would say like I mean it feels like Nate coming back and coaching Richmond is where we'll end up in the season, having not which seen which is anything. fine, but I just feel like the way they're getting there um, uh, could be improved. And I also think that like for a show, and I guess maybe this is also indicative of like how it will progress with in the future if there are more seasons and they've talked about how like this is the end of the arc and maybe not the end of the show or whatever blah 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 but i was like there's not been a lot of ted and ted lasso this season and that actually is just gonna move back (laughs) that's like kind of like that's kind of been an end issue for me i i still like really like it i've not had as many qualms as seemingly a lot of people have but i was like there is not as much ted this episode that we have not seen today i did not watch today's yet uh, on wednesday notwithstanding uh but anyway, Phil Dunster, I don't know. I, he's been good in this season, but I also am like, and he has been in a lot of scenes with Brett, which I think would help. And like Nick is kind of not in that, but I don't know who I, I, if it's not Nick, who would I drop out? I mean, Chris Perfetti somehow is still not in the top eight in our odds, but I feel like he's such a lock for Abbott because Abbott is so beloved. But I don't know. Um, I mean, I can see him missing. I, I don't know. Because sometimes I also feel like they could just be creatures of habit it's like they you know phil has not been nominated yet right and then it's just kind of me is it too much like out of sight out of mind like they're used to checking off these other people or like or do you or are they aware it's like oh maybe it's time to give up on him right <laughs> like, i don't know he's not gonna get in and now i, I have a restricted ballot <laughs> i kind of think maybe that because i'm also like while he's been in a lot of great scenes with, with, with Brett and like, kind of, I just feel like he was 
not better, but I felt like the character had more to do, obviously, in the first season. Yeah. And had I like mean, a- he's, he's actually had one of like the best arcs throughout the whole show. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, but like, I would not be surprised if it gets two nominations in this category and it's Brent and him. Yeah. Uh, Joyce, we got another email here, uh, from Brad, who I think is another perhaps new. So many newbies. Welcome. Yeah, A lot of newbies. Uh, Brad writes, I have been able to keep up with the new series premiering the last few weeks. I watched all of The Diplomat, which I loved, Carrie for an Emmy nomination, and all of The Night Agent, which I also loved. But now I'm feeling overwhelmed with so many more shows premiering. We were just kind of talking about this. I feel like I'm going to wait to watch Love and Death and Mrs. Davis until all the episodes are out. What should I prioritize if I want to keep up with the Emmy contenders? Um, I would say Mrs. Davis uh first um just because that's more fun and exciting whereas i think like love and death like you know that story right and you know (laughs) i agree and i think i would argue i'm sure peacock would not want to hear this but i think watching waiting for mrs davis to have all the episodes down and then watching it would be not the worst idea because it is do you think it should have been a day and date well i don't know i'm like always like like i don't like I think I like maybe, having yes. the conversation like the I, I I'm old school so I like the weekly episodes I like the weekly episodes too and I think in certain cases it's great like Succession is a show that I think really obviously works as a weekly drop and then I think some of these shows would work better with the whole season now for Mrs. Davis they kind of split the baby because they did four episodes at launch because it really does need that many episodes to get you into what is happening and then five six seven and eight now are rolling out weekly and I'm like that kind of works based on how I remember the show going, but also I watched in like two days and I love that I was able to do that as a screener uh, brag. Yeah, I would say the first episode is the hardest one to get through, just a lot of table setting and you're just maybe perpetually confused throughout the whole episode, mm-hmm. but then things start to pick up into, like the real, the tone of the show really comes through in two. Um, and then there is a hilarious cliffhanger I guess you could call it in four so then it kind of makes you want to watch the next one and then five is just like unhinged <laughs> five is so good and like I loved five so much five they're doing a lot of uh it's basically like Betty Gilpin and Jake McDormand uh, as like internet commenters like hearing about Mrs. Davis yeah and then it's the you know it, it made me want to watch air again yes yeah which Very I much. can next week so <laughs> it's coming to streaming Jeff. oh and then this week is the sixth episode right so oh this week is the the heist which I enjoyed another good one uh and I so I think like this show honestly would have maybe worked as a binge like all at once a, a simultaneous drop but then like certain ones I'm like oh like so Bupkis they did all at once like all the episodes are out and I'm just like that could have probably been it's a fun watch but there's no you know to build conversation maybe that should have been a weekly one yeah um, and then Love and Death, they did three at drop and then right. weekly for the other four. And I understand why I did that too, because the end of three is uh, when Betty goes to get the axe and then it cuts. Sure. So then four, which is tomorrow, today, slash today, when this is live, um, uh, Candy kills her. So you you see some of the the struggle right. and then it's like the aftermath. Um, and then the rest is the trial. Um, yeah, so, 
and and it's kind of like the first three episodes of that show is kind of slow pace like it's just kind of um you know setting mood and then they i mean they they start the affair then on the premiere but then um yeah it's like you you know you're just trying to get to the murder right so i understand why i did it the first three and yeah and then it's kind of a different show like the rest of the way because it's about candy's trial and like this is when tom palfrey shines as her defense attorney um bruce mcgill plays the judge and uh tom palfrey's character absolutely loathes him and he just calls him fuckface all the time but he says it with such disdain it's amazing line reading um yeah so and i you know again i think it's you know this this case has been dramatized before including a year ago Mm -hmm. you watched candy so i don't know if you uh if you're trying to choose which one to watch first i would say mrs davis first yeah and first before mrs davis the same day yeah i think the same day on the same day probably yeah. yeah I mean, like, Mrs. Davis would be a great nominee, like we're saying. And I think it could break through in a lot of categories. But I think Love and Death feels like it would have a better shot just based on its competition and pedigree. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this last week. You know, it it got annihilated in the reviews. And again, it's if if you're, you were spooked by the reviews, it's not that terrible. Like, the some of the reviews make it sound like it's mm-hmm. abysmal, like just hot <laughs> garbage. It's not. It's totally fine. A, a very passable serviceable show mm-hmm. <laughs> and um elizabeth olsen is great like she's the best part of the show so watch it for lizzie um yeah so mm-hmm. if, if you're i would say mrs davis and then love and death i think I, I think i would agree uh here's another one from a sarah another new person choice sarah writes hi my name is sarah and i really enjoy listening to the show i couldn't find anything about this online but I was wondering if you guys think that Elizabeth Debicki is going to submit herself for leader supporting for her performance in The Crown Season 5, and which do you think would be better for her? Thanks for reading. And also, can you reply to this and let me know my question gets answered on the show? Thanks, Sarah. Sarah, I'll reply, I'll, I'll reply, I'll reply to it, Sarah. It's okay. <laughs> um, well, oh my God, what just this like thing just started playing on my computer. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was like an ad somewhere. Well, she they they dropped her down to supporting. Mm-hmm. So, and I think according to Netflix's FYC site, she is still in supporting. Yes. Do you think so. that's a wise move, Joyce? Um, I think she is a lead in the season, but I understand why they're doing it. It's all strategy. Yes. So I, I could argue that she's more of a lead this season than than Amelda Stanton was. Yes, um, but I think they saw the reception to the season. Yeah, and they recalibrated um, because it was the reverse last time with Emma Corrin. Yes, um, because they were initially in supporting, but then season four was bigger, better received, and um, people loved Emma as Diana, and mm-hmm. then they decided to run them lead. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, I think so if she's in support I think she, there's with Sarah Snook in lead I don't, I don't think that Elizabeth Debicki is going to win but I think she'd be in the top top third of that that list of nominees so okay if if you if if they were to run Imelda and Elizabeth both in lead do you think they will both get in or just one I know I think they both would get in actually because I think lead is pretty soft it is 
And I think yeah. you would have Sarah and you'd have uh, Bella Ramsey and Melanie Linsky and then the two crowns and then someone uh, else, <laughs> someone else, probably like Elizabeth, Elizabeth Moss or, or whatever. Um, yeah, I feel better about Elizabeth in supporting than I do about Imelda in lead for some reason. Me too. Because I, I mean, I think if you watch the show, it's hard to deny that Diana was a greater presence. But I think Amalda had a lot of good stuff because like, I did like like the aging queen stuff that they were doing with her. But yeah, I think it, it just, I, I don't think like that or her performance this season specifically has that much passion behind it. No. Or I don't even know if there's that much passion behind the season in general. No, it doesn't um, seem like there was. Yeah. Um, I only, I think, do I have any crown men getting in? I, I don't, don't think so. Yeah, I don't. So I just have the ladies. Me too. So they tend to do better in their even number seasons at the Emmys. So, you know, Next Queen year is going to be great. Yeah. yeah. She, like uh, Claire and Olivia won for their their final seasons, the even season. So Imelda next year. And no succession next year to worry about. No White Lotus probably to I worry about. I mean, nothing about. next year, okay. Yeah, no Last of Us to worry about. So it's like, no Yellow Jackets potentially because of the writer's strike. So the crown is just going to be like the top dog in the 24 Emmys heading into the, the drama categories. I mean, they they better land that plane. Wow. I mean, they should. I was like psyched to see like the Prince. Uh, the photos? Prince, yeah. I don't I don't know how I feel about that because I'm like I don't really care about them like well it seems based on the way they worded it it sounds like that's the very end it's like the back half of this yeah but I'm just like I don't I don't care because like they'll have I'm just just not a royal person anyway right uh you email us at slugfestandgoldderby.com here's one from Steve uh who wrote a very uh, Steve from Michigan Steve writes hey Joyce and Chris as always I love your podcast and I don't miss an episode second time emailing this time however I wanted to discuss the Emmys can you elaborate on the lead supporting rules versus the guest submission rules, especially when it comes to the cast of Succession? Obviously, it is determined now that Alexander Skarsgård will have to submit in supporting because he is in over 50% of the episodes, which is wonderful and he deserves to win. However, on the flip side, shouldn't there be a rule that you have to be in over 50% of the episodes to submit for lead or supporting? I understand Brian Cox has an ego but he should submit as a guest. It only makes sense, right? Since the Emmys do only focus on the current season of a series, he was a guest this year. I don't think Logan's two-minute cameo in episode six helps the case that he should be in lead. Um, how do we know Brian has an ego? I don't know. I, I don't know if he does. I actually I don't think, think he does. I think people conflate him with Logan. I'm like, why? I don't it's think he does. Brian people conflate like, Roman like, with Kieran. I don't think Brian Cox gives a shit. I don't, I don't think, think Brian gives a shit where he is. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, the only rule is that for guests, you're only eligible in guests if you're in um, less than 50% of the episodes of that season. Um, once you hit 50, you can submit in supporting or lead. So generally, um, like a, a glorified guest star like Ace Scars would be in supporting. It's like Sterling K. Brown and Maisel. Like he was overqualified for guests. So he's been supporting. Generally, you like they would not be as bold to submit and lead, but they could if right. they wanted to. It's like how Rob Lowe always submitted himself in lead for Parks and Rec when he was supporting on that show. Right. So like, if you want to submit and lead, go ahead um, once, you're, once you're 50 and above. So I don't think it, I don't think we need a rule for leader supporting. Like it's just up to them. And again, it's all strategy. 
it's like it's like whatever they they're just trying to maximize their chances of not just getting in but winning correct you know so if they think like they have a better chance in this category and like you know usually your screen time or your arc that season justifies it like Kieran and Sarah in this case um so you can go lead um so Brian yeah so he's in four right now or he's appeared in four episodes so he's still guest eligible so um you know if he appears again then he can't be in guest I don't I get the sense he won't appear again but I wouldn't put it past him to have like another quick flashback or something I guess they could show his body in the funeral which would count as an appearance so Uh, that would be yeah I don't know. I don't know. Like what? Like, do you think they should have a, like a demarcation for? No, I don't. And I think he is still the lead. I don't know. I I know it's like ridiculous, but I think the show has three lead actors this year. I think Jeremy is still a lead. Kieran obviously is a lead, and I think Brian is a lead. Logan is a lead character. He's the character even still that they're revolving around. Like it's a silly me. Yeah, like parsing, they're completely but... thrown off access. It's like again, it's great how to see how everyone reacts to his death like even the mm-hmm. you know the his his senior team like uh, you know another great carl moment so david Ritchie just serving heat this season i kind of think that it could get five actors in supporting <laughs> <laughs> so matthew mcfadden continuing to crush i felt like tom this episode is great uh and his scene that even with the brief amount of time maximizing his screen time and like the scene where he talks about like he's honest with Shiv about like I'm living me in a trailer park just the best I thought that sequence was unbelievable so like he's great Skarsgård obviously rules like could win I don't disagree with uh Steve here Steven I think I think Skarsgård could win eldest son Connor Roy yes Alan Rock should get in uh Nick Braun I was like again kind of down on Greg this season but this episode is great great Greg episode I felt um his best line was when he was like it's kind of hard to make houses tech when they've yeah, been around for so long. Yeah. We've had houses yeah. for so long. For so long. Uh, great. Great. Loved it. So that's four then. And then I think David Raji should get in. I really do. I think he deserves a nomination. He's so funny. He, it's obviously like Carl season. He's just eating every episode, feasting on this show. And he's standing up to like the lead stars in all yeah, the Yeah, which scenes. is great because like if, if Logan were still alive, that would not happen. And that scene was, okay. So I love how this episode also subverted our expectations of Kendall because yes. you think he's gonna just completely flame out on stage. He doesn't. And then he was doing his classic depressed hallway walk again. And then Carl comes up and then the he starts the combo by being his, usual self like just kind of like like sycophantic kind of ass kissing like pc self like oh like let me know keep me posted and blah 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 and kendall's rebuffing him and then carl just switches you know as just like hey listen your dad is dead you can't be goosing up these numbers that i can't back <laughs> it's like so fuck off if it's and like great. i'll tell you to fuck off if you do this on stage <laughs> I really think that he could get nominated. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities that they could get five actors in supporting. Well, so where do you think Brian will ultimately end up? Lead. And I could see him either getting in at lead or just not getting nominated. I don't think he'll get in the supporting. I don't think you could argue that he's supporting. But like if he submits in supporting, he'll get into supporting. Yes, but I don't think he'll submit in supporting. I think he'll submit in lead. 
Um, yeah, I, I don't really care where he ends up. Uh, I could see from, you know, HBO's perspective that he should be like they should submit him in supporting. But I think they're ultimately just letting it up to the actors themselves to decide. So if they submit in supporting, if he submits in supporting and that's what he decides, then I do think they could get six then. I think it could just be, I mean, like, I have a hard time believing that uh, Matthew McFadden, Alexander Skarsgård, and Brian Cox, if they're el- if, if he's eligible and supporting, would not get in. That would be three. And then, like you said, I think Alan Ruck should get in. Nicholas Brun has already gotten in. And I think you can make the case for Dave Rashi. He's so good. He'd just be really good. And if you like the show, you have to know that he's awesome. So if you were a voter in the acting branch on this restricted ballot, you you start voting you get to this category, you have eight slots. What are the names you're going to write down? Those six, Elijah Wood, and then I have to look who else I would put in. Let me see. <laughs> I would put Elijah Wood in for sure because I love him on Yellow Jackets. I think he's been so good. Uh, and he's getting to share all his scenes with with Christina Ricci, who's obviously a no- nominee and potentially a nominee again this year and is awesome. And then let me see who else I would put in for, for drama supporting. I guess I, my preference would be like Tom Hollander for White Lotus of the, all the White Lotus guys. I don't think they're all standouts, but I did like him the best because I think he had like the most to do. So that would be my list. No better call Saul's then for me. Okay. So how many people do you think will fill out the majority of their eight slots with succession guys? Most. <laughs> they just don't, they don't have time for the new shows. Succession just finished and they're just going to nominate six guys from succession. <laughs> Potentially. I mean, the two, the guys who I would be worried about if Brian is, it would be like Alan Ruck and obviously David Rashi, because they would just be like insane if they got in. Right. But like, I feel like a demerit for Alan Ruck is you could argue he's had not been in the show basically since Logan. Well, died. he wasn't in this episode. And he was barely in like the previous episode. He'll so, be back. Like he, well, the election's coming up, so he'll be back. He'll be back. Sure. I mean, like, but like, he hasn't really had as much to do in these last few episodes. So like, that's maybe a demerit, but I don't think so because he's been so no, good. No, because people remember the kar- the karaoke scene right. and then obviously Connor's wedding. Connor's wedding. So, I mean, he's yeah. great. And then like, like he never yeah, even like, liked me. David Raggi, I'm just like, he's so good. He's so good. Carl's so funny this season. He's definitely been like the top, the top dog of the old guard. Even more so well, than Jay. Even more so than Jay. Jay didn't really have um a lot until this week in that scene with yeah no and she hasn't and that's enough honestly I think she'll just get in yeah, for that like for scene. supporting yeah <laughs> so it's fine just get her in that was great I do think you could get like six acting I really think they could just go down the list especially because we've seen that they're not afraid to go down the list and I think the difference is now well they're not afraid to go down the list on an unlimited ballot. I don't think they're going to be, I don't think that we've talked, I don't think it'll affect this because I think the show is just too strong. And also because like a lot of these folks would have been maybe in guest last year, right? Like Skarsgård, certainly they are just going to like put him in here. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Well, he has to be I still think Brian will go lead. So I think we'll get three leads and then five supporting. Um, so when I removed um, Sarah from supporting, obviously you had to fill her slot and then i was like what if um white lotus and succession are the reverse of each other where succession could get a ton of supporting actors and white lotus <clears throat> will have a ton of supporting actresses but um <laughs> it won't have a lot of 
white Lotus supporting men and succession will have a lot of yeah. uh, supporting <clears throat> women. I mean, I think that's true. I ended up putting like Yvonne Strahovski back in for Handmaid's Tale. You're just like back on Handmaid's after. <laughs> I was like, just like, I'm just like, I guess they'll just default back to it. But if I was going to put another White Lotus person in, I would put in uh, Sabrina uh, Impacatore, I guess. Yeah, I put Sabrina in. Because then I also have Aubrey Plaza, Megan Fahey, and Jennifer Coolidge. Yeah, so right now I have four... Uh, white lotus supporting actresses and for succession supporting actors i kind of would love to see like either i don't think it would happen but based on my enjoyment of the show uh beatrice grano or sabrina uh, simona tabasco both should get in because they were so good and i think they're like a pair but that's the problem i think there's not enough room for both of them and sabrina to get in um that would make it six yeah. white lotus actors, actresses, I guess, or or so. I mean, there could be like a major snub. Like, what if Christina doesn't get in? You know, or Elizabeth. I would be shocked if Christina and Elizabeth didn't get in, but I mean, maybe. You think uh, Ray is safe at this point? We don't even know where she's submitting because right. um, <clears throat> AMC sent their updated uh, submissions list mm -hmm. last week, and she was still category TBD. So. Has not decided yet. Um, I would. It's. I think it's. It's hard to say where she should submit because obviously she got in finally last year in supporting. So then it's like, oh, we know she can get in here. It has mm -hmm. more slots. Should we just do it again? But lead is the softer category, and she like. I she I, she's not the co-lead but she's the female lead mm -hmm. you know she I has mean, a I, lot of a lot she's like you could argue that she's the lead and people have like fans have done that the past couple seasons um so it's like should she just roll the dice and lead but then I, mean, she I think she would get in and lead if she was in lead i think she would get nominated and i think she probably should i would love to see her nominated and lead um i do think it's like a lead act i think it's a lead performance I would argue. Yeah, and if she has she she would obviously submit Waterworks because that's mm -hmm. her tape. So, um, I mean that would uh be helpful in filling out the six in lead if she were to switch. Yes. yes. So uh, last one here, Joyce. We got a lot of newcomers there from for at Slugfest at GoldDerby.com. Last one here, those our old pal David L. Hi, Love Joyce. The weekly David email. Hey, Chris. And Gold Derby Goat Joyce. It's David L., not Grammar David. Hope you're both having a great first week of May. I wanted to let you know how much I really appreciate you reading my emails on your show. Thank you, Chris, for taking my advice about Molly Shannon. And thank you, Joyce, for backing me up and pointing out the obvious to Chris about the MCU timeline of the Marvels. I just watched the Tony nominations, and I was a little upset about the snubs for Oscar Isaac and Rachel Brosnahan and director Thomas Kale, but I was psyched to hear last week that TV Line reported Sarah Snook will go lead at the Emmys. Speaking of changing categories, since John Oliver is moving into variety scripted series, do you think he could beat SNL? And now that he's finally gone, which host do you think will win in talk series? I'm rooting for Jimmy Kimmel, but I'm also afraid it'll be Stephen Colbert. Also, Chris, how many times did you vote for Camilla Mendes and Maya Hawk as best duo for Do Revenge at the MTV Movie Awards and TV Awards? Your loyal listener, David L. Well, David, I appreciate being seen. And yes, I voted hundreds of times for Camilla Mendes and, and Maya Hawk. Do you have to create accounts? 
to do that? I didn't actually vote, Joyce. I'll tell you this. Wow, I can't believe you just lied on the record. <laughs> it just comes so naturally. Uh, I didn't vote yet, but I would create bot accounts to do it, and I do think they should win. Do revenge roles. Camila Mendes, best actress snub of last year. Uh, who are they up against? Let's see. The best duo. I think it's like, I think it's The Last of Us. Let me see. Movie MTV Awards. MTV not me. The second. Scintillating stuff. I don't know any of these new categories. Like, I, I miss the old school movie awards. Yeah. So best duo is Camila Mendes and Maya Hawk for Do Revenge. Jenna Ortega and Thing for Wednesday. Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey for The Last of Us. Simona Tabasco and Beatrice Grano for White Lotus and Miles Teller and Tom Cruise for Top Gun Maverick. Oh, your fave. This How is like a really good so category. Hard for you. This is a tough category because I love Simone. I was just literally just talking about how good they were in White Lotus and uh, Miles and, and Tom. I'll tell you this. Tom Cruise is a solo act. Miles Teller, bless. Love him so much. But they're not a duo in Top Gun Maverick. They're, Miles Teller is supporting We didn't even Maverick. talk about Jeremy Strong. Uh, immediately texting Michelle Matlin, the costume designer, being like, I need a, a flight suit for the launch. And then they took inspo from Top Gun. Obviously. Why wouldn't they? I'm sure that Top Gun is uh, Kendall's favorite movie. Uh, they're not a duo. So cross them off. Uh, Pedro <laughs> Pascal and Bella Ramsey, I also would argue, are not necessarily a duo. I cross them off too. Um, yeah, they they have... Um, they're together. Singular they're moments. Yes. A lot, yeah. Uh, so that leaves us with Simona Tabasco and Beatrice Greno, Jenna Ortega and The Thing, or just Thing, no The, it's cleaner, and Camila Mendes and Maya Hawk. Uh, Simona Tabasco and Beatrice Greno, if they won an MTV movie and TV award, I would be like, that would be the craziest thing I've ever seen. So I'm going to cross them off just because, no way. I'm sorry. There's no way that could happen. So you're left with Jenna Ortega and Camila Mendes uh, and Maya Hawk. I feel like Jenna Ortega is like the biggest star in the world, especially for the MTV crowd or whatever is the MTV crowd in 2023. But I think that Camille and Maya could win for Do Revenge. I just do. I'm going to stick with them. Okay. Are you, is this, do you have your stand goggles on or off while you're doing this? Mm, I think they're on. Um, I love thing in Wednesday. Mm. So if I were to create uh, an account, I would vote for them. <laughs> uh, so Joyce, just amazing hand acting. So. Really good hand acting. Uh, it was really cool watching how they did it. There's like behind the scenes stuff you could see. It's really incredible. Um, uh, the other questions yeah. for David. So we had actual questions there. Uh, John Oliver moving into Variety scripted. Do you think that Last Week Tonight can beat SNL? Uh, yes. <laughs> Do you think it will? Um, <clears throat> probably. I feel like they're just so lazy, and then it's just like they see John Oliver's name and then they'll just check it off. It doesn't even matter what category it is. We talked last year and I, I think we've talked about this many times. This last season of SNL that is seemingly now finished because of the writer's strike uh, was more well-received than the previous season. Uh, and the previous season was showed signs of erosion at the Emmys, right? It lost directing, I think, to Black Lady Sketch Show, which was an upset. It still won. It only got nine nominations. Only got nine nominations. Still won in its category, but like, not as nominees, so not not as much of a juggernaut as it had been so it feels like it's right to lose even though this season was better i think than last season i think it would lose to john oliver yeah um hmm. oh we didn't even talk about uh schmigadoon right changing its submission it's it's submitting in this now 
scripted variety, even though it is a scripted narrative series with musical numbers, just like Glee, just like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, uh, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. But again, strategy, they just, just going for it. So it's fraud, but you know, it's, um, unless the Academy says no, then. It's not fraud. They're allowed. Um, yeah, I don't think Shmiga Dune's gonna win here. Um. Yeah, I think it would it would just go to John Oliver. And then who do you think replaces John Oliver in late night talk? Um, I would hope Seth Meyers would win. That's what I want. I don't think it's gonna happen. <laughs> I don't think it's gonna happen either. I think so. I was I think David was hoping for Jimmy Kimmel, it seems. Right. Um I would be fine with that too. He's he's been around 20 years. I do think it'll be Stephen Colbert also though. I just feel like he's the most he's got the most juice for some reason. It's weird because what was it 2017, I think? That was the year he hosted. Right. Yeah. Um I that was the year where a lot of people thought he could win because that was his second year hosting um late show and and like the the notion was that oh like you know he got the first year on the bell and this second year was great because obviously the election too um and i remember people thinking he could actually win and he didn't so i thought he would have won a couple of, like i th- still think his pandemic shows were the best of his whole run when he was doing it at home he was the first host to do it from home all the hosts followed after and he was like rejuvenated. I felt like in those shows. And so I think he should have won then. I don't know if he win now. I kind of think like we said, like all these, if you like these shows, there's no different. There's no like, none of the shows are getting better or worse. I never feel like with the late night shows, it's just, it is all about the consistency. And it's just like, if you like Jimmy Kimmel, you will still like Jimmy Kimmel now, whether, you know, or last season, you know what I mean? And same with Colbert. So I'm just trying to figure out like who would be the most beloved. I do think Colbert maybe gets the slight edge over Kimmel but I don't know I don't think it'll yeah be I mean, if you're just going by like oh he's won for Colbert before before right. and then his um election thing won a couple years ago you know the live election thing for right. already special so that's kind of why I would put him in to win Colbert yeah um it's yeah because it's just been daily show between John Oliver and John Stewart and Colbert before um and what was the last was I think Letterman was the last um broadcast talk show to win and that was like so John Stewart premiered in 2003 so 2002 right let me see um right yeah, 2002. Late show of David Letterman, R.I.D. series. Um, and then John Stewart went on a tear. And then John Oliver. Um, with with a couple Colberts in between. Right. So I think it would go back to Colbert. So, um, we can't predict this yet, but I'm excited when we can. It, it's just funny how hard they're trying to like end Daily Show's streak, basically. 
and also like SNL streak. So it's like, oh, let's have these two shows that just keep winning right. based off against each other. Last, last week tonight's streak. Yeah. 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 Last week tonight. Yeah. Um, so uh, again, you can email us at slugfest at goldderby.com. I guess we'll wrap up here, Joyce. We, we have next week, we'll, we'll get to talk about air coming to Amazon. Comes on May 12th. I'm excited. Which is uh, too early, if you ask me. I kind of was one. I was actually surprised because we spoke about this when they we first announced, and we both pegged June to go yeah, to the finals. The finals. Yeah. And it seemed like again another big, uh, you know, give it a lot of lot of runway in the theaters. But I guess they must realize that it's kind of peaked. I mean, it's still doing okay. Like yeah. it, it. I don't know where it's at right now, but like its drops have been good worldwide. It's about I think. 70 or 80 million it's right around like yeah. don't worry darling numbers i think it's like around 50 right now domestically so mm-hmm. i mean they they could definitely try to eke out another month before the finals yeah so but you know it is what it is um and i don't know what else is next week nothing nothing's premiering it's too it's too late it's too close to may 31st this more succession will have a, another great the tailgate party we finally get to see ace guard's gold jacket can't wait gonna be great best costume design succession i just is so much fun well we'll sign off and i'll talk to you later bye for all things hollywood competition and award season head to goldderby.com and follow us on social media at goldderby.com